What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one. What? Episode one, season two of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Martinez with you. Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic, Broad Street Hockey, going to join us momentarily. Three days a week. That's what we're doing right now. We're going to start that today as the uh, season will begin next week. Preseason will wrap up for the Flyers coming up tomorrow. And plenty, plenty to discuss. Tons to get into. It's been a pretty frustrating preseason, exhibition season for the Flyers. Inability to score and uh, just struggling to put the puck in the net, struggling to generate offense, missing a lot of players, more players going down with injury. Felix Sandstrom now out with an injury as well. Sam Erson played the whole game last night. Tons to talk about, and we'll talk about it all, including John Tortorella. With Charlie O'Connor coming up in just a couple of minutes. Let me tell you about our sponsors, Bet Parks. Uh, it's a great time to get on the Bet Parks app and get all your action in for the football season, all for college and pro. You've got baseball and the playoffs coming. You've got the obviously hockey is right around the corner, hoops not that far away, college and pro as well. Tons to get your action in on, and you do it on the Bet Parks app. So download it today. Use the promo code JASON750, J A S O N 750. New and existing users will get a risk-free bet up to $750. Easy to sign up, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. So again, use that promo code JASON750, and that'll get you that risk-free bet up to $750. And terms and conditions do apply. So download the Bet Parks app today and make sure you are over 21, present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And also got to tell you about Conquerville, Conquerville Subaru. Fantastic dealership. I've been with Conquerville for so many years. Bought my first car there. My son's going to buy his first car there. He's just about 16. We'll be in December. But why do I keep going back to Conquerville? It is trust. Conquerville cares. It's not just a saying. It's a reality. And in fact, they've been doing such great work in the community. It's unparalleled. Uh, they were the first Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer of the year winner back in 2015. They have eight years supporting Nemours. Children's Hospital of Delaware. They've adopted 15 classrooms in the Marcus Hook Elementary School once again. That gives teachers $500 of classroom supplies each, and they continue the donation of thousands of coats to La Comunidad Hispania in Kennett Square. They've been doing that for over 10 years, and that continues to this day. So visit their beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. It is gorgeous. And you can check out all the certified pre-owned inventory or pick from a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. Check it out. It's Conquerville Subaru. It is more than just a dealership. They have an award-winning service department. You get a free car wash with every service appointment. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com online and check out the showroom again on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Conquerville cares. So we'll get to Charlie O'Connor in just a second. Uh, the preseason, like I said, will wrap up coming up tomorrow night when the Flyers take on the Islanders, put a bow on this exhibition season. Uh, I'm, I, for one, am I hate preseason hockey. Can't stand it. They're one and four in the preseason, and the inability to score goals has been the big, big issue. Now, we talked about this last year right here on Stick to Hockey Live a ton, talking about how hard they had to work to generate scoring chances. They've only got one goal off the rush here in the preseason. That was Travis Konechny's goal. I guess that was in the Boston game, I want to say, the first one, the 2-1 win. So they won that game. Uh, I'll let me resend the link to Charlie. So let's do that right now. So send it to him through. So let's get that link over to Charlie. And we will get him 
logged in here on Stick to Hockey Live. Let's see. Um, all right. And now we had it sent to him. There we go. And we'll just tell him that we just sent that. Uh, but the inability to score off the rush, only the one goal off the rush, and talking to Bill Meltzer for today's Flyers Daily, and not even that many rush chances. Now, there's a lot of guys injured, a ton of guys injured already, banged up. Maybe if it was regular season, they could go or they would go, whether that's Cam Atkinson or now, you know, you're dealing with Felix Sandstrom out with an injury. He only took two shots the other night in the game. I mean, as I look at the roster, I mean, obviously Farabee probably not going to start the season. I know he said that he'd like to start. I believe Ivan Provorov is a little banged up. We saw Tony D'Angelo in the game yesterday, but not Ivan Provorov. So let's bring him in right now. Does great work on The Athletic. He also does great work on Broad Street Hockey and the podcast as well. It is Charlie O'Connor. What's going on, Charlie? Hey, Jason. Good to be on. How you feeling, man? Eh, doing okay. In in the process of a move. So a little bit busy on the life side. But flyers-wise, you know, it's good to have hockey back. Uh, congratulations. I heard I think you bought a house, didn't you? I did. I did. So uh been a bit stressful life-wise, but uh Oof, but it's getting to, you know. It only gets more stressful. Everything that <laughs> gets, has it. to get repaired now goes to you. Um First, real quick, before we get to the Flyers, um, what was the concert you were at the other night? I saw you put a video out, and I'm not sure who the band was. Oh, um, a 90s band called Sunny Day Real Estate. Oh, okay. And where was it at the Met? No, it was at the Fillmore. Oh, okay. Very cool. Um, let, let's get to this preseason, Charlie, because the inability to score goals is on display again. We know last year they finished 31st in goal scoring. And I, I said this a lot last year, that they had to work so hard to get good scoring chances. And sometimes in hockey, like you can't have to work hard to score. You have to get some goals off the rush or easy goals or just have a guy that can just make something happen and score. They didn't have that last year. And so far in this preseason, despite it not being the full roster, that's been on display again. Yeah, yeah. I think there was, I think, a big hope. And granted, Sean Couture is not a hyper dynamic player, but I think there was a hope that he would give them more offensive zone time. And therefore, you know, the line mates that he would have, you know, guys like Travis Konechny, maybe Cam Atkinson, maybe Joel Farabee would have more opportunities to score because they just have the puck more. Well, now obviously Sean Couture's status is completely in question. So that kind of went up in smoke. And, you know, what you're left with is a team that, I'm not saying the Flyers are completely absent offensive talent. They have guys that can score. They have guys that can pass. They have guys that can make plays. But they don't really have anyone, especially with Couturier's status in question, that are clear, no doubt about it, first liners on really yeah. good teams. You know, Cam Atkinson is probably a really solid second liner on a contender. And Joel Farabee, maybe he could be a first liner, but I don't think he's there yet. Uh, Travis Konechny is probably also a good second liner on a good team, maybe a great third liner. And you're going to kind of have to try to do it by committee, but they don't have the depth of the teams that really can do it by committee. And yeah. then you have a guy like Tortorella. Like I think, and I tweeted this, I think this weekend that I fully believe that given time, it probably won't happen immediately, but given time, John Tortorella will make this team better defensively. I just don't know what he can do about the offense because there's only so much you can coach 
when it comes to offense. A lot of that is just can guys make plays or can they not? Yeah, that's the thing. And and you don't say that because he's not an aggressive offensive mind, which is the perception of a lot of people that he's all about defense, blocking shots and structure, and he doesn't really care about the offensive end of the ice. That's not true. No, no. And I think, you know, goes back to his time in Columbus, um, he had that sign up in the locker room that said safe as death, and he basically let – um, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones essentially play as rovers because they were yeah. so offensively gifted despite being defensemen. You know, he's not a guy who is opposed to the idea of guys taking chances, of talented guys playing that way. It's just that if you want to have that freedom, you have to take care of business in your own end. You have to follow his structure. You have to give consistent effort on a shift-by-shift basis. If you do that, He'll, he'll loosen the reins a little bit. He'll let you take chances. He'll let you play, you know, more of your preferred style. And I think he'll be willing to do that if this works long term. It's just that, you know, do the Flyers have anyone with the all around skill of a Seth Jones or a Zach Wierenski? I'm I'm unconvinced on the back end. You know, maybe you could say Travis Sanheim and Ivan Provorov, but you know, Sanheim to me is more of a really good second pair defenseman. And Ivan Provorov has great natural ability but the last couple of years hasn't played up to i think the the level that he can play now maybe putting him with tony d'angelo will allow him to to relax a little bit more not have to take on the entire puck moving load but that's a question you know it could work it might not we have to wait and see so is there the potential for guys to you know maybe open up their game and in fairness you know we're going back to the preseason they haven't, they've only had Travis Connecty for one game. They haven't had Cam Atkinson for any games. You know, they are missing some key. And obviously, Joel Farabee is still making his way back from next surgery. So they are missing some key offensive players. But as I said, none of those guys are, you know, none of those guys are clear cut first line NHLers on good teams. So they'll help. But will they help so much that this team is scoring three goals, four goals a night? And I'm skeptical. Yeah, that's the thing. They can't throw a guy over the boards that's just going to go out there and take over a shift and, you know, be an offensive. You're going to be able to throw a guy over the boards where the other team's going to go, oh, shit, he's on the ice. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's got to be by committee. Now, back in the 1920 season, it was by committee that season as well. Um, But this is I think this is a lot different. Let's stick on pro rough real quick. We've only seen him in one game. we saw him with D'Angelo. I think it was the second preseason game, and Torch said they were they stunk, <laughs> which I, and he wasn't wrong. Now they only played together, you know, not even a week at that time. Um, th- there's going to be a process of them figuring each other out and where the, the other guy likes to be, where he can release his pressure in the D zone, and you know, Provorov is like this reclamation project, but it's it's compounded, Charlie, with the fact that he's got to get used to yet again another new partner that's got idiosyncrasies to his game. Yeah, and, you know, I think this pairing, like, to me, it's about 50-50. It could work. It could not work. And there's always the joke of, like, well, everything's 50-50. It either works or it doesn't. But I could see this working (laughs) because, you know, you're looking at somebody like D'Angelo, and I think the thought process there is they're trying to kind of replicate 
what Shane Gossespierre brought to that pairing with Perovrov back in 2017, 2018 in the second half when they were one of the better pairings in the NHL where you have the offensively gifted kind of risk-taking defenseman on the right side, and then you have Perovrov who can do his thing, can be the better defensive player, but also like doesn't have to make all the passes. Like When he was on that pairing last year with Justin Braun, he had to do all the puck because Justin yeah. Braun's a useful player. Justin Braun is not a puck mover. Justin Braun is a traditional, prototypical defensive defenseman who's entering his mid-30s. He's not going to be doing a lot of passing and skating. You put him with D'Angelo, it's the same thing where it was with prime age Gossis Bear, where you know, he can share the load. So it could work, but also D'Angelo is a risk taker. D'Angelo is a guy who can get lost in the defensive zone sometimes, especially when he over pursues because he's a really competitive guy. So it could it could flop and it didn't look good in that first preseason game, but it's a preseason game. You know, you expect that over time they'll they'll develop more chemistry. Is it going to be enough chemistry for the pairing to work? I guess we'll see. But I thought Brad Shaw after that game was was very honest, and I think we're going to like talking to Brad Shaw's media members uh-huh. because he seems like a very forthright guy, but he more or less said, like, it better work because I don't know, like, what other options we really have for a first pair because they, they kind of made the decision last year that Rasmus was the line and they don't want to use on the first pair because Ryan Ellis missed the whole year and they kept him on the second pair and with Travis Sanheim, yeah. and they already tried Justin Braun there, and Justin Braun did all Justin Braun can do which is he held his own, he didn't get killed, but he's ideally not a first-pair defenseman. I, ideally, he's not even a second-pair defenseman at this stage of his career. So your one chance to have a legitimate first pair is if Tony D'Angelo works as a first-pair right-handed shooting defenseman, and they're going to give it, I think, every opportunity to try to make it work. Now, will it work? I don't know. Chemistry is a fickle thing. Sometimes guys have it, sometimes they don't, and they're just crossing their fingers that they develop it. Yeah, and the thing is, one of the things Bradshaw said is both guys like to have the puck. <laughs> and, you know, if both guys want the puck, there's only one puck. <laughs> uh, the other dynamic with those two, Charlie, and, you know, you know, we don't know Tony D'Angelo very well yet, but we do know that he is a highly emotional player and he, he burns hot. He's like torts. He burns hot. And Provorov, from a personality standpoint, I don't think could be any different than Tony D'Angelo. I mean, how does that dynamic of those two players off the ice, on the bench, work? It's an interesting question because, again, it could end up working perfectly and they could kind of balance each other out where, you know, Provorov calms D'Angelo down and D'Angelo maybe will, will push Provorov the way he needs to be pushed. It could work great or they could be at each other's throats. Like It could happen where, you know, Proveroff makes a mistake. D'Angelo loses his mind, and then they hate each other. Like you just don't. And they fight know. in the tunnels. <laughs> yeah, that could be another another D'Angelo versus a Russian battle. I, I, you know, you don't know. You don't know how this is going to play out. So, to me, like the D'Angelo move, it was a risk. It's not guaranteed to work. It's not guaranteed not to work. We just don't know. They're taking a risk here, and I guess he's only signed to a two year deal. So if it doesn't work. It's not like they're locked into him for the next decade, but it could be good. It could also be bad. And to me, it's the most fascinating roster, not battle, because it's not like D'Angelo isn't going to make the team. It's not like Provorov isn't going to be a first pair defenseman, but it's the most fascinating roster combination, lineup combination, especially in the first month or so of the year to watch because 
it could legitimately, in my mind, go either way from a does this function standpoint. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I, I think it's the one that I've highlighted the most where I'm just I'm just wondering how this plays out because you're right. You know, a guy like D'Angelo could be the right guy from a personality standpoint that counterbalances and the and vice versa. And maybe they're you know, look, D'Angelo played with Slavin last year. Slavin's a great player, but I mean, and he was good on that top pair. He he faced teams, you know, top units all season last year, and they did well. But, um, you know, the other thing is Carolina won a lot of games, and I worry about Tony when things, you know, aren't going well. That's fair. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a legitimately good point that when you're a fiery, emotional, competitive guy, like by all accounts Tony D'Angelo is, and your team is winning – that emotion is directed in a positive way because you're excited because the team's winning when the team starts losing. And I don't get the sense that D'Angelo is like a finger pointer in the sense that, you know, he's going to say it's everybody else's fault and not mine, but he is going to get angry. He's going to get angry when they blow a game. He's going to get angry if the pairing's on the ice for a bad goal. And if he gets angry and he starts getting angry a lot because the Flyers are losing a ton of games, which is very possible given the makeup of this roster this season, you know, what is that going to do? Especially, you know, what I've, what I've heard about D'Angelo, especially in, in, in Caroline, he really just like put his head down. He knew that he was probably on his last shot and he's just like, I'm not going to rock the boat. And he was apparently very well liked in that room and didn't really, you know, ruffle feathers or anything. In New York, it would have been easier if everybody didn't like it. The problem was was that most people on that team liked them a lot, and then there were yeah. a few people who did it. And like that's what ha- that's how a room gets divided when you have like guys that like are divisive. And divisive doesn't mean that everyone hates you. It means that some people really like you and some people really don't. And if the Flyers are bad, you know D'Angelo sees he's buddies with Kevin Hayes. And then Kevin Hayes has his group of friends. So I assume D'Angelo will probably fall in with that group. You know, will there be a few players if the Flyers lose a lot and D'Angelo's, you know, all fired up after every game that gets sick of his act, but then everybody else thinks he's great, then you could have a problem. And, you know, that I think is sort of what happened in New York from what I've gathered, where it's not that he wasn't popular. It's that there were a few guys who didn't like them and then things went south and then the Rangers got tired of it and just decided to cut ties. So it's an interesting point about if the team loses, will D'Angelo be able to handle it in a way that doesn't create problems in that room? But look, as, as, as John Tortorella has said on multiple occasions, that room probably needs some shaking up. So mm-hmm. maybe it might not be the worst thing to inject some tension into that room because if anything, Tortorella's kind of implied that the problem isn't necessarily that guys are all at each other's throats. It's that guys aren't at each other's throats enough. They're not holding each other accountable enough. Everybody's a little bit too friendly. So, you know, maybe it could be a blessing in disguise. Who knows? Yeah, I heard Keith Yandel and Spit and Chicklet say that, you know, despite how last year went, they had a blast. Like, I didn't like hearing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It could be yeah. miserable when you stink. You know? Exactly. And, and you know, look, I think I, I think it's always good to have a little bit of, uh, you know, it can't be too comfortable. It can't be like you're walking into the country club, you know, and you could just sign for everything. You got you got to have some discomfort in there when things aren't going well. Um, what are the other pairing of players that I'm interested in? And, you know, I, I think that, 
One of them has looked pretty good, made some mistakes in the preseason. The other one hasn't flashed enough for me, and that's Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett. Now, we know both of these players, Charlie, they got a huge opportunity in front of them. because And, and that's maybe the one thing that these two players would say they haven't had yet, that legit NHL opportunity. So let's take them kind of one at a time and then as a group. But first, let's start with Tippett. What have you seen from Tippett this this preseason? Because I think this is a huge opportunity for him, and and he could fill a void for this team that they need, a guy that can score off the rush, a big body that can really skate and has an offensive skill set. Got to shoot the puck, but what have you seen from Tippett? Yeah, I haven't seen a ton. Um, he's made some, I guess, decent passes. Um, we haven't really seen – the fascinating thing with Tippett, and I did a feature on him at the end of last season that made this point, is that at every level other than the NHL, he's been a sniper. He's been a scorer. He was a, an incredible goal scorer in the OHL. He scored in the a, in the AHL. In the NHL, for whatever reason, he struggled to finish on his chances. And in the in the preseason so far, it's been the same story. He's had chances. He creates chances. He gets himself open for, for passes. And then he misses the net or he shoots it right in the goalie's pads or he flubs the shot and it's the preseason. So maybe you're just kind of, you know, knocking off the cobwebs, but when that's pretty much what was his problem at the end of last season too, he just kind of looks like the same guy. And I've made the point that I think the flyers are going to give Owen Tippett every opportunity to find his game here. They have every incentive to, he was literally the centerpiece of the trade that sent Claude Drew out. Like Chuck Fletcher has every reason to tell John Tortorella, you need to figure this guy out because we have a lot invested in him. And I think he will. I think they do have a lot invested in Owen Tippett, but at some point the guy's got to start scoring goals. And like, if he doesn't score goals, like he's never going to be a two way defensive stalwart of a winger. He's got to score goals to be a legitimate NHL player. And like, yeah, he's, he's got some passing ability. He's not completely like a one dimensional goal scorer, but if he's, if he's scoring, you know, 10 goals a year, then he's probably a fringe guy in the NHL. He needs to be a 20 goal scorer to stick in the NHL because that's his primary skill set. And so far in the preseason, he looks like the same guy in the second half of la- or the you know last month and a half of last season after the trade where does a lot of good things, and then it gets to the most important part, and he can't finish. Yeah, and it like his skating ability is much better than I thought it was. I mean, you see that explosiveness with the skating and that big frame, and but he he's got to bury. That's his job to bury. Um, Frost and these two kind of have been linked, but Morgan Frost, the Flyers have scored five goals. He's got assists on three of them. I guess that's a feather in his cap, but. Um, you know, we've seen some really good plays from Frost. Moved the wing, actually, in the last game as well, a little bit in practice. Uh, but Frost has got opportunity in front. He certainly looks bigger and stronger, Charlie, and more willing in some board battle situations. He's been killing penalties a little bit as well. What have you seen from Morgan? He's looked okay. I, I, I think he's looked fine. Obviously, the Flyers are hoping for more than fine from Morgan Frost. They've been hoping for more than fine from Morgan Frost for quite a while. And, and I do... I do agree that his development has been stunted a bit by the injuries and by, you know, the challenges of the pandemic and whatnot. The seasons have been a little weird. Uh, Last season felt like he was sort of playing himself back, not into condition, but just into into a comfort level after the previous season kind of being ruined by, uh, you know, by the shoulder injury and the shoulder shoulder surgery. Uh, 
the thing with Frost, I think, is that this is this really, and we've I feel like we've said this for quite a few years, but this to me really feels like a make or break year for him because yeah. the Flyers don't really have a choice. They have to give him scoring minutes. They have to put him in scoring positions. They can't. They just don't have anybody else. You know, you look at their center depth with Couturier out. It's Kevin Hayes, and then what? You know, there's Scott Lawton, but he everybody knows he's better as a winger. He knows he's better as a winger. He'll play center if the team needs him to, but that's not his best position. And then beyond him, it's, you know, Tanner Lozinski, Jackson Cates. They tried Noah Cates at center. Patrick Brown's coming back from back surgery. Like, Morgan Frost is probably your opening night second-line center. So he's going to get the opportunity, and it's like sink or swim, buddy. You know, at this point, if you can't get it done this year, maybe there's just nothing there. And I hope that he figures it out because I do think the talent is there. I think he has offensive ability that very few other players in the Flyers prospect pipeline, even if he's not really a prospect anymore, he has the ability that very few other guys in this pipeline have. And I'd like to see him it click for him and for him to figure it out. But again, it's what I said with Tippett. He's still got to go out there and do it. You can have all the talent in the world. You still got to go out there and do it. You got to go out there and finish. You got to go out there and produce points. And this to me is the year where if he doesn't, then it, to me, it just probably isn't going to happen. So he better do it this year. Yeah, And if he doesn't, it's certainly not here, you know, beyond this year. He could try and kick it up somewhere else and see if that works out. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he's got all this opportunity in front of him. You know, you mentioned the Cates brothers, Jackson and Noah. And Charlie, um, I said on the radio broadcast last night that I think Noah Cates is as much a lock to make this team as Kevin Hayes. Uh, based on what he showed last year, nine goal or nine points rather in the 16 games that he played. And you were wondering, you know, did he just come in and kind of get on a heater and things went well and all that? Uh, and then what's he going to come in like this year? Well, he came in, first of all, in fantastic condition and shape. And then he's coming in this preseason and to me, not really put a foot wrong. He's been a guy that is so detail oriented in this play in all zones, uh, a guy that a coach loves to throw over the boards. and to me, he's been their best player uh, that we've seen significant time out of, and he's an absolute lock to make this team. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the Flyers would be nuts not to put him on this team. Yeah, I, I wasn't at the uh, the game last night in Long Island, but the Islanders commentators, as I was watching the stream, were saying that you know we're talking to people that have watched all the games, and they'll say that that Noah Cates has been the Flyers' best player preseason. I would I would agree. And this is even dating back to the rookie games, the ones in Allentown. I thought he was yeah. really good in both those games, uh, particularly the second game. And, you know, I, I think he's the kind of guy where he's just – and Ian LaPerriere said this after the, the preseason game in Philly that he coached, that basically just that he's a coach's dream. Um, LaPerriere said after one of the rookie games that, you know, I'd love to coach him in Lehigh, but I don't think I'm going to get to because he's going to mm. make this team out of camp. Like they know. And, you know, it, it's a bummer to say this because I really wish that it, that, you know, on multiple levels that things would work out differently, but it's almost like he looks like what Oscar Limblom was turning into before the cancer diagnosis. Yeah. You know, he's that same kind of guy where he does everything right. He wins battles. He's in the right spot. He attacks the net and he's even a little bit quicker than Oscar was. And I think there is a chance that Kate's can fill that same role that it looked like Limblom was growing into before, you know, he was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer. And ever since then, even after, thank God he beat the cancer, he, he hasn't looked like that same guy from before the diagnosis and Noah Cates to me, 
you know, not I, I hate to say he can replace Oscar Limblom because especially in terms of the type of person Oscar Limblom is, I don't think he can be replaced. But from an all night standpoint, I think Noah Cates can fill that role that was left open after Limblom, you know, could no longer be the player he was pre uh, pre diagnosis. Yeah, he checks a lot of those hockey boxes for sure. Um, and you know, he kill penalties and. Well, he's, he's playing the neutral zone is like so detailed. I love that element of his game. Cam York, Charlie, is a guy that I thought he looked better in uh, the Islander game. And there was a little bit more urgency to his game. And he's such a smooth player. You know, he's silky and very laid back. And, you know, he's not a guy that's going to get himself out of position and those kind of things. But there needs to be a little bit more urgency to his game. And I know that's something that the coaching staff has talked about with him. He looked like he had a little more urgency in that game against the Islanders. Uh, but he's going to play third pair minutes likely, you know, and that urgency, probably power play two, I would imagine, with D'Angelo and PP1. Uh, but what do you expect out of York this season? Would you be surprised if they put Zamula on this roster out of camp over York, or would that not surprise you? You know, it, I think it would surprise me, but not because I think York has blown the doors off. It would just surprise me because I get the sense that the Flyers still want to see Zamola bulk up a bit more. I think it would, at this point, at least, and, and this could change, you know, there's still another week or so left before, before the first game. I think they're not super happy with the way York has played in camp thus far. Like to me, it would be more likely if they just say he needs a little bit of a wake up call. Let's just roll with a Nick Seal or Justin Braun pair to start the year rather than. Oh, throw. I can't handle that. Fans. Will I'm, go just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but like, I, I just, I don't think they think Zamula. I think they're worried about Zamula, not in the long term, but just in terms of like, can he play a full year without getting hurt because he's just not strong enough. And I think there's been some plays in preseason where he's played into their preconceived notions about his physical readiness. There was one play in, um, I forget which preseason game it was, but he was getting four checked and uh, he kind of bailed out and tried to avoid the check and lost the puck too. And there was a turnover and it's just, I saw that. And I'm just like, yikes, like that's the kind of play that they're going to see from up top and be like, this guy isn't ready for the NHL because he's going to have to face that same four check five times a game. And if he bails out twice, that's two turnovers that could end up in the back of our net. So I don't necessarily think Zamola will beat him out, but yeah, I do think they want more from York. I think they're going to push York. And I mean, I remember when, when Tortorella got hired, York was one of the guys that low key, I thought, you know, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where like, they're going to hate each other, but I think, I think Tortorella is going to push Cam York. I think he's going to push Cam York. Tortorella said something very interesting to us a few days ago, where he basically regarding Cam York, he said, you know, why wait? Like, why wait for Cam York to become the guy we think he's going to be? Let's push him to become that guy now. Yeah. And I think they're going to push him hard. I think they are going to they are going to demand a lot from him. They're going to expect a lot from him because they think he can be a really good NHL player. And they might clash a little bit at the start because the Flyers are not going to. And I hate to use the word coddle, but the hard truth is, you know, this is a guy who was top dog on defense at the U.S. National Team Development Program was top dog on defense at University of Michigan and comes in and probably expects to sort of be top dog again. And Tortorella is not going to, he's not going to do that for, you know, for, for a guy who's not technically a rookie, but basically probably going to be entering his first full NHL season. I think he's going to demand a lot of Cam York. And I think, you know, there could be some, some ruffled feathers at least at the start, but as long as Cam York, you know, 
takes it in stride and, and approaches it with the right attitude, I think he'll be a better player for being challenged. It's just that at the start, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to let him, let him coast. I think they're going to push him pretty hard. Yeah. I don't know that Cam's been coached really hard because he hasn't had to be at those other levels yeah. because he was just better. And, but Tor- I, I loved what Tort said. I love that. You know, like why this guy's got all this talent. We we see the boatloads of talent, but so why wait for it all to come together? Let's push it and make it come together now, even more quickly than maybe the kind of the laid back path. And uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. How you're right though. How Cam handles um, somebody being up his rear end every day to push even harder to break through different barriers is going to be one of the fascinating things of this season. You know, Tort said too. Um, you know, I don't watch the goalies. That's Dilly. Um, he lets Brad Shaw and Rockta, his assistants kind of handle a lot of the X's and O's, but he, what he said, Charlie, it was, I thought it was fascinating. I coached the mind and he wasn't always like that. He and I talked about it when I sat down with him. It, he said, you know, earlier in his career as a head coach, he tried to coach every inch of the 200 by 85 and control it. And eventually he realized that he has to let offensively gifted players do those things as long as they do his things first and his non-negotiables, but torts coaching the mind. And this year I think is as much about coaching the mind as it is anything else for this, this team and this organization right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Tortorella had a, a really good answer to a question that Bill Meltzer asked this weekend uh, regarding just the the idea of you know overcoming adversity in games and creating and riding momentum and not letting games spiral out of control and and he was open with the fact that that's been a problem for this team and that it's going to take time for him to sort of work towards breaking those habits of that and I've mentioned this a lot the last couple of years. It was really apparent two seasons ago, and it definitely carried over in the last season. But it was just there, there seemed like there was this feeling that would pop up in games where one thing would go wrong and you'd see everybody's shoulders sag and it would just be, oh, here we go again. And then mm-hmm. one goal would turn into three and then the game would get out of hand. And I do think that part of that in 2020-21 was because the goalie situation, Carter Hart was a mess mentally and they didn't have faith in their goalie. When you don't have faith in your goalie, then you just assume that, well, the next two goals are probably going in too because he can't stop a puck right now. And I just don't think they ever got out of that mentality. There's just a, there's definitely like a woe is me, I think underlying mentality of this team. And that's not going to work in a league like the NHL where, you know, if you show any sign of weakness, the other team is going to pounce. And, I do think that there is a there's a complacency on this team. And don't get me wrong, like I don't think this roster is that good, but they can definitely play harder and be more competitive than they were last season, even though they're not that good. Like their ceiling might be somewhere between 15 and 20 in the NHL. That might be their ceiling. So I'm not saying that if they're just more competitive and tougher to play against, this is going to be a great team. No. They got bigger structural problems on the roster than just, you know, changing the mentality. But if you're going to eventually be a good team, you do have to change that mentality because if you don't change that mentality, then no matter how much talent you have, your ceiling's probably somewhere in like the, you know, 8 to 12 range, even if you've got great players, even if you do eventually develop and trade and sign a couple of really good guys. If you have that mentality that, you know, 
well, if everything's going great, we're fine. But the first the first sign of trouble, we're going to fold. Then you're never going to be competitive. You're never going to be truly competitive against a great team. So, you know, you have to fix the roster. And there's only so much that John Tortorella is going to be able to do, in my mind, unless like Carter Hart finishes with a 935 save percentage in 60 games. Like a goalie can, can solve a lot of problems on his own. But beyond that, this team has a ceiling. It's not going to be great in my mind, but they can be better if they fix some of the mental issues and are more competitive and don't just collapse at the first sign of trouble like they've done the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and that's the foundational block that needs to come out of this year. I, I think, Charlie, it's important, like a couple things that come out of this year. I, I felt like the last two years, it's like you have nothing to show for it. You know, you didn't develop guys when you were bad or, you know, there was things that could have taken place that didn't take place in those two years of of poor performance in the standings. This year, even if it's a poor performance in the standings, you got to come out with something. You got to come out with knowledge about some of these young players, maybe knowledge that you developed a couple of young players or you got Proveroff moving in the right direction or Konechny or whatever it is. You got to come out with something this year. Chuck Fletcher eventually termed it as a year of stabilization after a lot of different messages initially. Uh, but, you know, to come out of this year, what do they need to come out with this year? I, I think that foundational block of accountability and culture and standard and these catchwords that we use are absolutely have to be there. But what do they need to come out of the year with? You know, I, first off, I 100% agree with you. I do think, you know, they need to come out of this year, you know, with some types of positives, whether, as you said, it comes down to like developing certain young players, getting more out of certain guys. But one thing that I think is also very important, and Tortorella straight up said this, and I think it kind of maybe went a little bit under discussed considering how important it is. But Tortorella straight up said in one of his early interviews, he said that one of the things I'm really good at is figuring out which guys don't fit. And I think that's really important too, in that totally agree. Tortorella is trying to build something here. The Flyers clearly, they signed into a big contract. He's going to be this coach for a while. He might be this coach even longer than the general manager is the general manager. But Tortorella is trying to build something here. And I think this year is just as much about weeding out guys who they believe can't get with the program as much as it is getting more out of the guys who are going to stay because there are guys on this team that they need to make final decisions on guys who are in their mid twenties, you know, guys like Travis Konechny, guys like Ivan Provorov, even guys like Travis Sanheim, whose contract expires at the end of this year. They need to figure out if these guys are part of the five, 10 year plan. And if they're not, then you got to trade them. You know, if yeah. you're trying to build something, if you're trying to build a John Tortorella team, which is clearly the plan, you need to make a final decision. Chuck Fletcher said in his first press conference of training camp, you know, is Travis Konechny a 50-point guy? Is he a 70-point guy? If he's a 50-point guy who clashes with John Tortorella, he probably isn't here next year. So this yeah. is like for those kind of guys, this is very much their season to show that they should stay. And if they're not getting with the program, like – Chuck Fletcher, to this point, with the probably the exceptions of, of Jake Voracek and Shane Gossespierre, has been kind of hesitant to weed guys out that he doesn't think fit, particularly guys that are in like the heart of their primes. I think this year is a year where it might not happen in season, or it could. You never know. It's just Fletcher really hasn't done a lot of in season moves aside from trade deadline deals. But 
I think this is as much a fact-finding mission about players in the sense of do they actually fit and do we want – and maybe it could go for young players too. You know, if – you know, if, if a 23-year-old or a 22-year-old who is viewed as a top prospect just doesn't seem to be clicking with what Tortorella wants the team to do, you know, those guys have value. You can move them for something. I'm sure, you know, if you just don't think they fit, you could move them out. So I'm expecting them to be looking at this from both ways, them to be looking at this, yes, it's a developmental year for young guys, but also a year of figuring out if some of these young guys just aren't the right pieces for what they're trying to construct. Yeah, and part of that is that mental makeup of the player, too. And that's something that Torts is very good at figuring that part out as well. Um, yeah, that's going to be a, a fascinating element of this. Who, who's going to survive? Who's going to be part of that? And what we do know is that Torts is going to be very honest in his availability. I mean, the first availability he had about the preseason game about the Angelo and Provorov go, they stunk. <laughs> I was like, okay, welcome yeah. to the Torts era here in Philly. Yeah, right. I thought it was great. Um, last thing for you, Charlie, uh, you know, what advice would you give to flyer fans to remain sane this year? This is the the hard thing. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out my own social media policies for the season already. <laughs> I need to write a handbook and how I have to follow it. And, you know, I t- I've gone more to it for promotional purposes only, but how do fans remain sane this year? You know, I think that probably the best way, number one, is just, you know, try to have some fun with it. And if that means having some fun at the organization's expense, like whatever keeps you sane, you know, if it Mm. means just laughing, like take a page from the well, yeah, take take a page from the Ottawa Senators fan base where for a while, I mean, there's a reason why they called themselves sickos. They were just kind of having fun with how much of a mess things were. So definitely that's that's some advice. But number two, also like this is obviously not a year where anyone, including I would hope the organization, they're not expecting this team to contend, you know, maybe if everything broke right for them. And obviously with news like that of Sean Gatteri and Ryan Ellis, status, things already aren't breaking right for them, but maybe if everything breaks right for them, they can compete for a wild card spot, maybe. But to me, if you're going to watch this team with a, with an eye towards anything, it's got to be with an eye towards the future. Like if, for example, like if, if James Van Reems like scores a bunch of goals, like that's great for whatever is it's good, but it's, it's only good for the fact that like that will increase his trade value for the trade deadline. Whereas mm-hmm. if Wade Allison makes the team and starts doing real, that's legitimately exciting. That's legitimately something to get excited about because you're like, okay, this guy could be a piece. He could be a piece for the next good flyers team, like really good flyers team, you know, three to five years down the road. So I would say watch these games with an eye towards, what actually will matter two, three, four, five years down the road, because that's what really matters this season. It's what players can be part of the next relevant Flyers team, because I don't think it's, it's reasonable to expect that this team will be. And therefore it's kind of, I wouldn't say a waste of energy, but it kind of is a waste of energy to get angry when this team loses because everyone knows they're probably going to lose a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, you know, remaining sane in sports is all about expectations. Yeah. If you, yeah. if your expectations are too high, I, it's weird though. Like on social media, it's a conundrum wrapped in a riddle because people say they have no expectations. And then when the team performs poorly, they freak out. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's I like, mean, you know, it's it's sports fans. Like sports fans are gonna. It, it's it's an inherently irrational thing. You're tying your emotional mm-hmm. well-being to the performance of a team of a bunch of guys that you don't know, and yeah. you're doing it in large part because you're escaping from everything going on in the rest of your life. And I'm not saying that as a critique. That's just what it is to be a sports fan. I mean, I cover hockey as a journalist. I am a diehard fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. I do that with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I. I live or die on every play and I get angry and I can allow myself to be irrational because it's fun because that's the fun of being a sports fan. So, you know, enjoy it and have fun. And if part of having fun is, you know, releasing some anger by yelling at Chuck Fletcher and the coach and the players you don't like, then sure have at it. But if you're letting it like legitimately impact your well-being aside from watching sports and aside from watching the flyers, then maybe take a step back and realize like this team you know, going in, you knew on some level it probably wasn't going to be very good. Yeah. And and, and don't direct your hate at media. <laughs> I mean, that's I guess that's part of the job, right? We are we are the uh, the people up front who uh, who actually interact with the fans. So, you know, they can yell at Chuck Fletcher, but Chuck Fletcher is not going to respond. Whereas if you yell at the beat writer, the beat writer might actually respond. So yeah. it's a little bit. There's a little bit of a uh, a connection there that doesn't exist with the players and the GM, and and I get that. It, you know, it can be frustrating on on my end. I will fully admit that. But you know, fans are fans, and and, and yeah. I get it. You know, you're you're frustrated with the team, and the fans have every right to be frustrated with the Flyers because it's been a real rough last two seasons, and they're at the moment, at least in the short term, there doesn't seem to be a lot of light. You know, in this tunnel, maybe yeah. a few years down the road there could be, but right now it's it's pretty gloomy. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not going to bring up the fact that Jake Voracek tweeted you a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jake. Oh, Jake. Just happy that I'm not blocked. He had me blocked yeah. at one point, and I called him out. Really? He was still here. I said, dude, nice. like, why the fuck did you block me? He's like, I blocked you? I'm like, yeah. yeah. And then I looked the next day, and he unblocked me. <laughs> he unblocked you. Yeah, the funny thing with this is I was just in, I was in a debate with someone. I wasn't, like, I don't even, I didn't even tweet this out. I was talking with someone on Twitter about, like, and the, the argument I was making was that if you're going to make a, a an advanced stat argument for why Jake Voracek, the Jake Voracek Cam Atkins trade was bad for the Flyers, you can't ignore the advanced stats that say that Jake Voracek hasn't been very good the last couple of years. Yeah. And it's it was more of an argument against, like, the hypocrisy of using stats to argue one thing while ignoring the stats that don't support your argument. And I guess mm. somebody somehow found its way to Jake and Jake decided to rip me, which like, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Jake might hate me now, but we've always had a good relationship. So hopefully he just realized it was a good fight. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> I think he's got the Google notification thing on his name. Like you, and it, and it probably just his <laughs> phone is nonstop vibrating at it because he finds shit, man. Good on him. Um, Charlie, thanks so much for doing this, man. It's going to be uh, an, an interesting season. With torts around, it is not going to be boring. So I appreciate the time. We'll be reading your stuff on The Athletic. as you Every time you come on, I tell you, I, The Athletic and the coverage that you and all the uh, NHL guys on The Athletic provide is unparalleled. So I appreciate you doing this. Check out Charlie on Broad Street Hockey and the podcast as well. Uh, we'll be seeing you at the barn, brother. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me, Jason. There he is. Charlie O'Connor from Broad Street Hockey and The Athletic uh, does great work there. And uh, we appreciate him joining us on uh, season two, episode one of 
stick to hockey live. Oof, there was a lot in there. A lot to talk about. Let me talk about Bet Parks. Bet Parks in the brand new sportsbook app is awesome. It's great. It's the best time to get in on it because you've got all kinds of things to gamble on, whether it is football, college, or pro. Whether, I mean, Thursday night, you get it. All weekend with college and pro, it's fantastic. You've got hockey coming up. You've got baseball and the playoffs, player performances, same game parlays, live in-game betting. It's all there for you. Easy to sign up, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. And for new and existing users, use the promo code JASON750, J-A-S-O-N-750. That'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. So make sure you download the Bet Parks app today, and you're going to be glad you did. You need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And show also brought to you by Conquerville Subaru. Check out their showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Check out their certified pre-owned inventory. And select from a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. Get down there to Conquerville Subaru. I've been with them for years and years. Conquerville cares. They do great work in the community. And it is more than just a dealership. They have an award-winning service department where you get a free car wash with every service appointment as well. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com and check out the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Conquerville cares. We'll be back Wednesday. Anthony DeMarco will be with us on Wednesday for another brand new episode of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Uh, we'll be doing it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through the season. So I hope you'll join us. Leave us a five-star rating and review. That'll help other Flyers and hockey fans find this content. So we appreciate it. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you coming up on Wednesday on a brand new episode of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody. The street, you can hear a scream, you're a disgrace. And she slams the door in his drunken face. And now he stands outside, and all the neighbors start to gossip and drool.